0: If you brought your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to turn to Luke's Gospel, the second chapter. Uh, We've been looking this Advent season at some of the songs related to the birth of our Savior. All have come from Luke's Gospel. We first looked at Mary's song magnificat then we looked at Zechariah's song Zechariah being the the father of John the Baptist you may remember uh, last week we looked at what the angels sang concerning the birth uh, of our lord and this week what is at least for me the least known singer and song of these four and that would be Simeon uh, and his song like the others is has a well-known latin name or designation. This one is called Nuke Dimittis, which like the others, it's just the first words uh, in in the Latin translation uh, of what they sang, of what they prayed. And, and for him, it was now you let depart were the first words that, that he sang uh, and, and prayed there. And so as I studied this song, it's a song I've never really studied before. I haven't taught it or preached it before. Uh, and as I studied it, I kept asking a question that I ask very often when I'm preparing for a sermon. So what? Why is this here? Um, not, not just what information is here, what knowledge is there to be gained, but but why is it here? What are, what are we supposed to gain? Um, how are we supposed to be helped by this? Um, is it, do we just need to know more stuff? Because there's lots of stuff here but I don't think we just need to know more stuff. Um, Our our ongoing problem till the day that we die is not with our minds and filling our minds with knowledge. Our ongoing problem till the day that we die has to do with our hearts, right? Think about uh, the man uh, who asked Jesus, uh, what must I do? What's the most important thing for me to do? What did Jesus tell him? Two things, actually, but they were both related to his heart. Both were related to his affections. He said, you've got to love the Lord your God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you've got to love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. It wasn't a knowledge problem, it was a heart problem. And so that's how I'm trying to approach these things. And so from Simeon's song here, what do we find that helps us loving God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and neighbor as ourself? tried to sift through so much information here, and I settled on two big ideas that actually work together. They fit hand in glove, and I think that if we focus on those two big ideas, it will be a way for this song to move beyond our head and down into our hearts where we need it to do its work. So stand if you're able for the reading of God's Word. I'm actually going to begin in verse 25 this morning of chapter 2. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. May the Lord bless the preaching of his inspired, inerrant, infallible and authoritative word, let's ask for the help that we need. Oh God, would you help us in these moments, these moments on Christmas morning, to know what it is that you want to do through this passage in our hearts, that we might love you, heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we might love our neighbor as ourself. What do you want to do this morning, O oh Lord, that we might see Jesus so clearly in this text. and We might have him come to rule and reign in our hearts even on this day. We ask for your help. We know that you'll give it. We ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated. So here's the two big ideas that I see at work here. One is the utter faithfulness of God to do what he said he would do, plain and simple. And the other thing that goes with that and can't be separated from it is the work of the Holy Spirit, both in revealing what it is that God has said he would do, but also in enabling us to believe him and to trust his faithfulness. Those are the two big things I really want you to see amidst all the little details that are here in this song. God does what he says he will do, and the Spirit shows us what he said he'll do and helps us to believe and trust him. You've got an outline in your worship folder if that helps you follow along. I want to look first at the promise that was made to Simeon. You see there in verse 26. It was promised to him that he would see the Messiah. He would see the Lord's Christ before he dies. It's a pretty specific promise that sometime in his life, Messiah would come. The very long awaited, long expected Messiah. Now, how did he find out about this promise? How was this promise delivered to him? It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And it Turns out that the Holy Spirit did more than just reveal this and say, All right, bye now, see you later. No, the Holy Spirit stayed with him. Now, you might think, Is that a really big deal? Yeah, it is a really big deal. This is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all believers that would happen at Pentecost after Jesus ascended back into heaven. This is an early abiding of the Holy Spirit on someone. This is a big time blessing for Simeon. And this is noteworthy for a couple of reasons. If the Holy Spirit is on him, that makes what he says or sings divinely inspired. These are the very words of God. No doubt, too, that this abiding of the Holy Spirit is what helped Simeon to wait all that time. We're not told how long Simeon waited for this promise to be fulfilled. It it could have been a short period of time, my guesses are it was a lot longer, right? Um, I don't know about you, but but I can personally vouch for the fact that, that God's not often in a hurry when it comes to fulfilling his promises. He always fulfills them, but he doesn't seem to get in a rush too often. First thing we see is that the Spirit reveals a promise helps Simeon wait and trust until it comes to pass. The second thing we see is the fulfilling of that promise. Simeon meets Jesus in the temple, and this has both of those big ideas at work in it. Look at verse 27. Simeon came in the Spirit to the temple. Now, for sure, Simeon went to the temple frequently, right? It's what righteous and devout people do as he is described to be, but that he went at this specific moment on this specific day while it just so happened that Joseph and Mary had made their trek to Jerusalem so that they could offer the appropriate sacrifices following Jesus' birth. It's this little window of time that Simeon comes into the temple. And so that, that in the Spirit, I read as he was moved by the Spirit. Go now now. Now would be a good time to go to the temple. So the Spirit gets him there at just the right time. And the Spirit, no doubt, is also who is helping him recognize Jesus when he sees him. I'm sure Jesus was not the only baby brought to the temple that day. Jerusalem was a big place. It was a busy place. And I'm pretty sure that Mary and Joseph didn't look all that extraordinary in their appearance unless it might have been for their poverty. But Simeon somehow knew it was them. He knew it was them. And so the strange old man approaches, perhaps asks, can I hold your baby? New moms love it when that happens. obviously from the song that he begins to sing, he has recognized this baby to be the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. God has done what he promised, and the Spirit helped to make it happen. Now, let me point out something else too here that often happens as it concerns God's promises and his fulfilling of them. Now, I've already mentioned he's not often in a hurry. But when he fulfills his promises, and he always fulfills his promises, when he does, it's very often over and above. It's very often beyond. For Simeon, the promise was that he would see the Christ before he died. Simeon gets far more than a glance, doesn't he? Can you imagine that moment? For this righteous and devout man. Now, that doesn't mean that he was perfect. It means, among other things, that he loved and feared God. It it means that to him, God was a really important deal in his life. And so this promise of, of seeing the Christ had to be the most important thing that he clung to. And now he is clinging to that promise literally in his arms. He holds his Savior. That's just a wee bit better than seeing him from a distance across the temple. And this is closely related to number three. Maybe number three could have been lumped in with two, but I separated it out because it is a very clear function of both of our big ideas at work, of God's promises being fulfilled and of how the Spirit helps us hold on to those promises and believe them. We can have a similar, peaceful embracing of our own deaths like Simeon does here in this song. Now, we don't know how soon after seeing Christ that Simeon thought he would die. Some think he was probably a really old guy at this point, that he had waited literally his entire life for this thing to happen. And perhaps Simeon felt like death would come relatively soon now. But it does not stir in him even the remotest sign of fear or anxiety or of, oh no, I've seen the Christ. Now it's coming. There's nothing like that. On the contrary, he describes peace. Now you let me depart in peace. Satisfaction. As as if everything he had sought in his whole life had now been granted. There's no angst for him over, oh my goodness, there's this bucket list and I haven't marked everything off yet. There, there's, there's none of that. There's no panic over anything. No, he, he just, he sees, he embraces Jesus. He says, I'm good now. I'm good now. Got everything I need. I, I can die a happy man friends, that is the function of both knowing that God is a God who fulfills everything that he has said he would do, and the Spirit enabling us to cling to that and believe it with all our hearts. Number four on the outline lifts our eyes up off of Simeon himself and the promise made to him to this larger promise that God made to his people. The the passage begins back in verse 25 with a whole nation waiting for consolation, waiting for comfort, waiting for soothing, waiting for somebody to tell them, you know, everything's going to be all right. Consolation is something that God's people had long needed, had, had often needed. Think about their suffering and bondage in Egypt. Think about the desperation of their lives in exile in Babylon. Think about now, even now, how they've been oppressed under Roman tyranny during this occupation. But God had promised all along, and that promise still stands comfort. I'm going to send you comfort. I'm going to comfort you. And you can find that promise all over the pages of scripture. And it's very often in the mouths of the prophets. Dozens of places we could turn. I picked out just one that would suffice this morning. Isaiah 61. This prophecy of our Lord Jesus, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And if you look at all of those passages of comfort in the scriptures, the sum total of them is that they point to Messiah. They point to the fact that ultimately comfort will come in a person. Ultimately, comfort will come because God is going to be near to us, present with us. And Simeon this morning in the temple sees that this has happened. This is it, he sings. Verse 30, he says, My eyes have seen your salvation. He's holding a baby, but he's saying, I'm holding salvation in my arms. God has been faithful and done what he has promised, yet not everyone sees it. Think of the introductions Simeon could have made that morning to the to the priests who were on duty, to the religious leaders that no doubt were there. But they don't see him. They don't get it. In, in fact, if you think about Luke's gospel and what Luke is presenting here, He presents two faithful, God-fearing Jews, Simeon and Anna, who comes in the verses after. Two who see what's going on. And the only reason they recognize, I'm sure, is because of the Spirit's help. To see, to recognize, to not be blind. That was true then, that's true now. Right? It's Christmas for crying out loud. The the story of baby Jesus born in a manger is everywhere. And yet, those who embrace and celebrate Jesus as their everything are truly far and few between. It takes the Spirit moving takes the Spirit imparting life, raising folks from the dead with the new birth, because without this help, we're not going to see him. We're not going to embrace him. We're not going to be rescued by him. In fact, without the Spirit's help, we will completely misunderstand the Savior and his kingdom and the salvation that's being offered. Verse 32 is, is interesting In one way, it captures the entire message of the Old Testament. That the majority of God's people misunderstood. This Jesus in Simeon's arms that he says is God's salvation Simeon says, he's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel, right? There's so much wrapped up in that. I couldn't begin to unpack it all this morning, but let me give you just one tiny little glimpse of something that's going on there. God's people, Israel, definitely saw themselves as glorious. They were a proud people. They were the chosen people of God. And they thought, well, we must be something then. Despite God saying over and over again, it's not because you're something, it's just because I love you. It's not because you're so great, it's just because I love you. They thought they were something. And they knew that their Gentile, pagan, evil, lowlife neighbors were nothing. definitely not glorious. They fully expected Messiah to come for them and to leave their pagan neighbors in the dust, despite tons of additional biblical evidence saying, no, this is for all the nations. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw all the nations and all peoples to myself. But they missed it. They didn't have eyes to see it. They didn't have the Spirit's help. They completely missed the fact that their glory And indeed, God had shown his glory on them as his people, but they missed the fact that their glory had nothing to do with them. And it had everything to do with how God wanted to use them to be a channel of his blessing to the nations. That was a glorious calling and privilege indeed, but they missed it. Without the Spirit's help, they missed, the vast majority of them did, that their glory was in being a blessing to all nations. That's what had originally been promised to Abraham thousands of years before. The rest of what Simeon has to sing about this baby or say about this baby in his arms continues to point to the absolute necessity of the Spirit's help. If we're to really understand what's going on with Jesus, verse 34 this child. The salvation he brings, prepared by God for all people. Jesus, he says, is appointed for the fall and rising of many. He is a sign that will be opposed. Simeon knows. Now remember, the Holy Spirit's on him. So this isn't just his, his opinion. It's not just his common sense. This is revealed to him. He knows not everyone's going to be a big fan of Jesus. He knows that his ministry will be opposed. He knows that many will fall because of Jesus. Many will, to borrow the language from Isaiah 8 that I'm sure Simeon was thinking about, many will stumble on this stone. They will trip and they will fall on the stone who is Jesus. But for others, he will become their cornerstone. Now, this can really put a damper on some of the cultural warm fuzzies of Christmas, can it? Much like the Revelation reading earlier. To talk about how divisive Jesus really is. That, that's not something that gets mentioned too often in the Christmas carols and in the little children's Christmas pageants. Jesus coming his his being born that night in Bethlehem his life his ministry his death his resurrection that is ultimately a very divisive thing it forces you into one of two groups only two there's a group that embraces who he is and what he's done and there's a group that says no thanks I think I can handle this on my own. Those are the two groups. Simeon even offers a a vague foreshadowing of the crucifixion here. It's not the news a new mother wants to hear. To Mary, he says, a sword. And that's the word for a, a long sword, maybe even like a spear. He says, a sword will pierce your soul also. This baby, this baby that he held in his arms that day in the temple, this baby will have to die. And it will be gut-wrenching for you, Mary. You'll be there. You'll witness the whole thing. And so, of course, that's hard to swallow. That's hard to hear. But that's the faithfulness of God. doing exactly what he promised, providing exactly what we need, the baby would have to die in our place. And it's the Spirit who is our helper in revealing to us the faithful provision of God and in helping us to believe in and to trust it. Can you sing with Simeon this morning? Because you've embraced Jesus. Because you hold him in your full and satisfied heart. And you realize that he's everything that you could possibly hope for. Everything that you need. Do you have him in your arms and in your heart this morning in a way that you could even face the moment of your death? with a peace that passes human understanding because the Spirit has revealed it to you and is helping you to believe it and to cling to it. That is my prayer for you on this merry Christmas morning. Father, we thank You that You are a God who does what He says He will do. We thank you for the long record of your faithfulness in scriptures, and we thank you how we can testify this morning to the long record of your faithfulness in our own lives. How we could share with one another story after story after story that you are a God who does exactly what you promised to do. And we thank you and praise you this morning for the Spirit's help, for how we need his help both in his revealing to us what you have promised to do, but also in helping us to believe it, to believe your faithfulness, to believe that you are trustworthy. And so my prayer this morning is that we would be able to sing with Simeon, that we would be able to embrace the Lord Jesus in a way that would lead us to have hearts that are fully satisfied in him and need nothing else. In ways that are so fully satisfied, so fully at peace, that yes, when it comes time, we would even be able to embrace the moment of our death, not with angst or dread or worry, but with peace. Grant that peace to us we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Would you stand and let's sang-